Welcome to Slaking Thirst, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart, who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. So today in the first reading from the, from the book of Kings, we have this amazing showdown between the prophet Elijah, say Elijah, and the prophets of Baal. Say Baal. Baal. Okay, so names in the Bible are super important, right? So names like Abram, meaning father of many. His name gets changed to? Abraham, Abraham meaning father of multitudes. Simon, the fisherman, his name gets changed to? Peter, Peter right? Means rock. Elijah's name is significant. It's very significant. His name in Hebrew, if you're going to pronounce it, is Eliyahu. Say Eliyahu. 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 It means the Lord is God. That's what his name means. His name means the Lord is God. And he's the last surviving prophet in all of Israel. So let's just remind ourselves, right? So we have this story. Abraham. Abraham has a son named Isaac. Isaac has a son named Jacob. His name gets changed to Israel. Israel has 12 sons, right? The heads of the 12 tribes of Israel. These 12 tribes of Israel are God's particular nation. These are the people that God has chosen to be his own. These are the people that God has chosen to reestablish covenant right relationship with humanity. You with me so far? Yes, give me some of this. All right, good, 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 good. Okay, so Israel was God's particular nation. He freed them. Remember, he freed them from slavery to Pharaoh in Egypt. He brings them out of slavery into the promised land, right? And then he comes down from the mountain with Moses with the tablets of the law, the Ten Commandments. And the first commandment that the Lord gives his people is, I am the Lord your God who brought you from the land of Egypt. And remind me, what were they experiencing in the land of Egypt? Freedom or slavery? Slavery. slavery. Say it like you mean it. Freedom or slavery? Slavery. They experienced slavery in the land of Egypt. He's saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of that land of Egypt. And then he says this, you will have no other gods before me. So the first commandment that the Lord gives is a commandment against idolatry. Say idolatry. Idolatry. Idolatry, idolatry is the sin of having something else not God be in the place of God. Okay, so let's just apply this to our own life. Is your iPhone God? Yes or no? Do a lot of us treat our iPhones like they're God? Yes. Our friendships, as good as they are, are friendships God? No. Are grades God? No. Is popularity God? No. Are sports God? No. We have a lot of idols in our own life still today, amen? We might not be worshiping golden calves. We might not be worshiping a God named Baal, but we still have idolatry in our, day today, in our day and age today. Friends, I know we're on the grass. I need your attention up here. This is so important. I need your eyes up here. Because if you miss this, you're going to miss a grace that the Lord wants to give you. So stay with me, stay with me, stay with me. So, Elijah is the last faithful prophet of Israel. Every other prophet, all the kings, all the leaders, all the priests, had begun to worship a false god named Baal. So God sends Elijah to these prophets and he says, I want you to bring them back to right worship. I want you to bring them back to me. 
Remember, the Lord is so passionate about his people. He wants us to be in relationship with him because it's not because he wants us to be slaves. He wants us to be his sons and daughters. He wants us to experience freedom and fullness of life. And it's only found in one person. It's in him. He says, I want you to come back to me so that you can have fullness of life. So he sends Elijah to do battle with these prophets. And Elijah throws it down with them. He throws it down. Imagine 450 prophets who all think you're insane and you're the one on the other side. That's some big odds. That's a big power differential. That's pretty crazy. Imagine it's like double all of you looking at me. It's like you are the prophets of Baal and I'm Elijah over here. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. So what what does Elijah do? He says, all right, this is what we're going to do. We're going to find out who the true God is. We're going to call God to the carpet. Pick out two bulls. Pick out two bulls. You pick out which bull you want. I'll pick out which bull I want. We're going to sacrifice these bulls. So we're going to kill the bulls. We're going to sacrifice them. Cut up their meat. We're going to build two altars. You build an altar to your God, Baal. I'll build an altar to my God. And this is the line that I love. The God who responds, who answers with fire is the true God. The God who answers with fire is the true God. So what, is, what happens? The 450 prophets of Baal, they start calling out to their God, Oh, Baal, answer us. Send down fire. It says this, Nobody answered and nobody was listening. Because he doesn't exist. Because he's not a real God. But they didn't know it. They were so convinced that this is the real God. And so they start getting crazy. They start doing crazy things like, like slashing themselves with their own swords so they could spill out their own blood to try and make themselves feel worthy of Baal's response. And you know what Elijah starts doing? Elijah starts trolling the prophets of Baal. He starts saying, oh, maybe he's sleeping. Maybe you got to be a little bit louder. Maybe he's gone for a journey. You know what the actual translation in the Bible is? If you actually read the actual Hebrew, what, God, what Elijah says to, to the prophets of Baal, he says, maybe he's in the bathroom, is what he says. That's what he says. He's just trolling them. And no one answers. No one answers. So Elijah steps up and says, Oh God, that your people might know that you are the only God, the true God. Call down fire, Lord. Rain down fire upon this altar. And what happens? Like, like fire like you can't believe. This is the part that I love so much. That before the fire comes down, Elijah makes it difficult for himself, right? Did you catch this? Who, you did, the, did you do the first reading? You were amazing. That was a hard reading. Give her a round of applause. That was really hard. Long reading, big words. That was awesome. Elijah has them dig a trench around the altar. Did you catch that? He digs a trench around the altar. And he says, fill, pour water over it. He says, no, no, do it again. And then do it a third time. He wants the altar and the sacrifice to be soaking wet. Have you ever tried to light a bonfire that's like where the wood is soaking wet? It's kind of hard, right? Unless you're like a Boy Scout or something, you can figure it out. I don't know. But like us normal non-Boy Scout people, right? Who's not a Boy Scout? Raise your hand if you're not a Boy Scout. So us, okay, if we're trying to light a fire and the wood is soaking wet, it's probably not going to light. So here's Elijah saying, soak the altar. Three times soak the altar. He makes it difficult for himself. He makes it difficult for God. The fire comes down like this crazy like inferno and it 
burns up everything. The wood is gone. The rocks are gone. Imagine that. A fire so hot that it just melts away the rocks and the dust. It says it laps up all the water. It's all gone. It's all consumed. And the people cry out, Eliyahu, the Lord is God. The Lord is God. It's this awesome showdown. It's incredible. Here's three things I think I want us to think about from this reading. The first is this. It's okay to be outnumbered because the reality is we are not outnumbered. Amen? You're going to go home from camp. Like right now, it's amazing to be surrounded by all these amazing Catholics and you're on fire and it's easy to witness. It's easy to worship. It's easy to put up your hands. It's easy to preach the name of Jesus here. When you go home, there's going to be people who don't know Jesus, who don't have your same beliefs, who don't care about what you experience. There's going to be a lot of followers of Baal back home. And it might feel, it'll probably feel like when you go back to your sports teams, when you go back to school, when you go back to your friends, even for many of you, when you go back to your own families, you might feel like you are the only one. But you are not alone. Like, look around right now. This is just week one of camp. There are so many more of us. Not only that, the ones that we can't even see far outnumber the ones we can see. There's this awesome moment in the story of 2 Kings when Elijah is leading this military campaign and they suddenly come to this area where they realize they have been surrounded on every side by the enemy. Now, do you think if you're leading a military campaign, it's good to be surrounded on every side by your enemy? No, that's a pretty bad position. That's a pretty bad position, right? You don't want to be surrounded by your enemy. So Elijah's servant begins to freak out and basically say, we all need to go home. We need to leave this battle. We've already lost. And Elijah prays. He prays. I want to read this. This is from 2 Kings. Listen to this. This is from later on in Elijah's story. The servant says to Elijah, he says, Alas, my master, what shall we do? He said, fear not. Listen, 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 listen. Fear not. For those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Amen? Amen. Those who are with us are far more than those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, I pray that you would open his eyes, my servant's eyes. Give him the grace to see. Open the eyes of this young man. And the Lord opened his eyes, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire around Elijah. What the guy saw suddenly was the angel army that surrounded them. Like, guys, if you could see the angels and saints, the way that they surround you, like the, the church in heaven is far bigger, far more glorious, far more powerful than the church on earth. We are the weakest members of the church. We're the fewest members of the church. The church in heaven is far more powerful, far bigger, far more glorious than we can imagine. So when you go home and you feel outnumbered, you are not outnumbered. You have all of heaven on your side. And I just pray that the Lord would give you eyes to see that it's okay to stand out and be alone and outnumbered by people who don't believe like you believe. Amen? Amen. The second thing is this. When we hear the Lord say through Elijah, the God who answers with fire is the true God. 
I think it's so perfect that we started our week of camp with which solemnity, which great feast? Pentecost. Who is the God who answers with fire? Starts with a J, rhymes with Jesus. Jesus. He calls down the fire. Right, Jesus says at one point in Luke's gospel, he says, I came to cast fire upon the earth and how I, were, how I wish it were already blazing. Like Elijah was considered the greatest prophet of the Old Testament, the greatest prophet. That's why he appears with Moses on the mountain of transfiguration. But Elijah just brought fire down upon a little altar. Jesus brings fire down upon the entire universe through the church, through Pentecost, through the power of the Holy Spirit. And all of that, listen, lean in, listen, all of that happens right now in this mass. I know we're so used to thinking of the Eucharist, right? You go to Catholic school, you hear about the word transubstantiation, right? The word gets, the bread gets transformed into Jesus's body and blood. We know this, amen, right? Yes, you know this? You know this? Good. I want you to think of it like this. It's a little coal, like a burning ember that's pulled out of the furnace of the sacred heart of Jesus. Every picture of the sacred heart of Jesus, it's filled with flames. Jesus's heart is filled with fire, right? It's like he takes a little coal out of his heart and he places it in your hand. He puts it on your tongue to set you on fire. Like what Elijah did on that altar pales in comparison to what the Lord does in the mass. And here's the huge difference. The fire came down and it destroyed everything it touched. The fire that comes down through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the Eucharist, into your body, into your soul, it's not going to destroy you. It's going to transform you. Remember in the Old Testament, the burning bush that Moses saw, it was on fire, but it wasn't consumed. It wasn't destroyed. Mary, guys, look at Mary. Mary shows us what happens when you let the fire of God's love get close. When the fire entered her womb, was she destroyed? No. She was magnified. It's a woman on fire. She's a woman on fire. She's a woman on fire. In the book of Revelation, it says she's clothed in the sun. The sun. Where's the sun? It's up there. Okay. It's where it usually is. Okay. The sun, y'all, listen, is a fire that's so hot that we have to be 93 million miles away from it so that we don't die. Imagine that bonfire over there was so hot that we had to be like 100 feet away from it or we would all be just burnt up. Now imagine that fire was so hot that we had to be like 10 miles away from it. Imagine now the fire that's so hot you have to be 93 million miles away from it. That's a pretty hot fire, amen? And Mary is clothed in the sun. She's just wearing it. Just wearing the sun. Wearing fire. And guys, this is what happens to us when we come to Mass. The fire of God's heart and Jesus' heart is placed in your body. How we don't die, listen, how we don't die, I have no idea. Because we should all die <laughs> when that Eucharist is placed in our body. Because it's the fire of God's heart. So let's just take a second right now, open ourselves. Lord, 
We don't want to be like the Israelites who are straddling the issue. Are we going to be for Baal? Are we going to be for the Lord? No, we are for you, Lord. We choose you. We say yes to you. Because we want the fire of your heart to be in us, to blaze in us, that we would go into the world and set the world on fire, even if we are the only ones. Even if there's 450,000 people on the other side, we will still be the one with you, Jesus. Amen.